I, I uh, would, would like to start this morning uh, talking a little bit about something that happened in my childhood. Uh, when I was about 10 years old, my parents finally gave into something my brother and I were asking for a long time, as you might imagine kids ask. My father took us to the pound to get a dog. And uh, my, my brother and I, were, we were so happy, and we went to the pound, and we saw this little puppy, black and white dog, uh, half poodle, half terrier, and we, that's the one. And we brought the puppy home in the car, and as you can imagine, we were ecstatic. And, of course, he, like, he vomited in the car, but that did not quench our spirits. It disgusted our senses, but did not quench our spirits. We were so happy. And my, my, my father, he took a look at the dog in the first few days of, its, of, uh, of owning this dog. And he said, you know, uh, my dear sons, I would like you to call this dog Yuli. Because when he was young, he had a dog and he called it Yuli. So it had some sentimental uh, 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 meaning behind it. But my brother looked at the dog and he had five spots, big black spots. And he said, no, dad, we want to, and he came up with the most original name ever heard. He said, I want to call it Spotty. <laughs> and he got five black spots. It's like five spot meat. And we thought, we thought it was so funny. You know, my brother and I were like, yeah, Spotty. And so we called the, the, the dog Spotty. And we loved that dog. He meant the world to us. When Spotty was about nine years old, his nose started bleeding. Really strange. We never had uh, our dog's nose bleed before. Honestly, we were freaking out. So we took that dog to the vet. And the vet said he probably sniffed something sharp and it punctured his skin. Uh, flushed out his nose, it'll be all right. But you know, it wasn't all right. And the bleeding got worse, and then there was a bump on the beak. And the bump got larger and larger until my dog was wincing and whining in pain all day, just hiding in his doghouse. And so I told my mom, obviously the dog has a tumor. And we got to go to the doctor and get that tumor removed, Mom. And you know what she told me? She said, listen, we took that dog to the vet. I paid hundreds of dollars. Surgery is going to cost thousands. You should say goodbye to your dog. That's what she told me. Now, now listen, I, I want you to know that I, I grew up and my parents raised me with a very strong value. And the value was for being uh, cheap. My, my mom, mom said, I don't like it when you say that. You, I like frugal. But let's be honest, right? And, and, but here's the thing. It was a dangerous combination. Not only was I raised with this value, but I have something that I like to call the cheap gene. So, you know, raised cheap, I have the cheap gene. And when my mom said the dog's life is worth hundreds, but not thousands, I just agreed with her. You're right, mom. And I said goodbye to my dog. <laughs> now, I'm just wondering for those of you who own pets, 
I'm just wondering if, if you would actually pay thousands of dollars for a life-saving surgery for your pet. If you would, would you raise your hand? I'm just curious. You're probably judging me right now, you know? Okay. You know, my dog should have lived with you guys, you know? That's, that, that's great, you know? But um, it kind of begs the question, how much is the life of a pet worth? Uh, you know, fun little question. I think, because not everyone was raising their hands, I think most of us would say, ah, hundreds, probably hundreds. Uh, Let's go on to the next question. And what I, what, um, Ali, can you just stand up? Would you just stand up? Don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass you that much, okay? I'm going to give you a dollar, okay? Just because I I normally pay my kids when I use them in an illustration. Right now, guess what? You're an illustration. If you would just turn around, just look at everyone, just wave hello, okay? Now, I'm going to paint a very dark scenario first, okay? But, and maybe your parents will, no, you got to stand up, uh, will forgive me, okay? Let's just say, Lord forbid, it won't happen by God's grace, you know, something very terrible was going to happen to Allie, okay? We don't want to say what it is specifically. It's just something terrible, okay? And we could save her life for a certain cost of money, okay? Certain cost of money. And then let's say one of you, like Allie's advocate, Natalie, which one's Natalie? Okay, Natalie, right there. Let's say... <laughs> Let's say you came up to me and said, Pastor Andrew, if you gave $3,000, we could save Allie's life. You all know what I would say. I'll pray about it and get back to you. No. <laughs> you know I'm going to say $3,000? Absolutely. I would, even give you, I would even give more to save Allie's life. Now, if that's my standpoint, then your parents would at least have the same standpoint as I would. In fact, they'd be willing to give more. They like, should I give? Should I sell off my car to save Ellie's life? Absolutely. Uh, mortgage the house? Absolutely. I'm sure your parents would say, actually, we'd be willing to give up our lives to save Ellie's life. Ellie, thank you for being my illustration. Today. You did no. You can keep the dollar. That's... <clears throat> Which kind of begs the question: How much is one human life worth? Now, maybe if, if it's someone you don't know living across the world, you might say thousands. If it's someone that you love, you're probably going to say hundreds of thousands or at least millions. Okay, so let's, 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 let's work with this. If a dog's life is worth hundreds, and one human life is worth millions, here's the question. How much is God's life worth? Now, think about that. How much is God's life worth? If you get something created without a spirit, like an animal, and that's worth hundreds, and you get something created with the spirit, and that's like millions, how much is the life of the uncreated that created these created things worth? Fair question. How do you respond when you hear that God actually gave up his very life for you? Uh, how, do you how do you take that in? How, how are you supposed to live when you know that God gave up his very life for you? You know, what are you supposed to do with that? And I want you, what I want you to do right now is just look around. You just go, really? <laughs> I mean, God gave up his life for us? 
How is that even worth it to him? You know? How is that even a fair trade? And during this Lenten series, we're, we're walking with Jesus as he's headed towards the cross. And, and sometimes you hear that, that Jesus gave up his very life. And some people around the world, they go, well, that's just one life, big deal. Thousands of people die every day. And just keep in mind, that's just not one ordinary life. This is God's life. Now, as I was preparing this introduction, there was a certain commercial that came to mind. I don't mean to make light of this uh, illustration, but um, you guys remember the MasterCard priceless campaign? Like, for successive uh, years, I'd get a Christmas card where they were actually kind of playing into the, the priceless campaign, right? Well, think about this, okay? The life of a dog, hundreds. The life of a human being, millions. The life of God's own son, what's the next word? Priceless. But for everything else, there's MasterCard, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, I want you to stop and think about this. God gave up what was priceless in all the universe for you and me, the life of his own son, and we're left asking, how in the world do we respond Such a great sacrifice given out of love for us. And that brings us to the next portion of Scripture in Matthew. For the past five Sundays, we've been going through chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew. And for the next couple weeks, we're going to stay with Matthew all the way to the cross and the resurrection. And that brings us to our next installment in Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to start in verse 6. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany... In the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment. And by the way, people used to use this ointment as perfume. And when John the Apostle talks about this same incident, he says that the perfume was worth approximately one year's salary for a working man. I want to put this into modern terms for today. Nowadays, I think they're increasing the minimum wage to about $10 per hour. And we'll just say that the working man maybe makes about $14 an hour. Maybe he's working full-time. Maybe she's working full-time. So that comes to a total of about $30,000 a year. So there was $30,000 inside this one jar, okay? I just want you to think about this jar being worth $30,000. Do you know what you can do with $30,000? Well, according to my mother, you could go see the vet like 141 times. Uh, Did you know that you could buy like a Toyota Prius and a used Ninja motorcycle for 30 grand? Kids don't be getting any ideas, but that's true. 30 grand, Toyota Prius, and a Ninja motorcycle. You could buy 60 4G iPads with $30,000. That's a lot of iPads. I want you to imagine all the hard work that goes into a working man's life for a year. And you put all that hard work and all the money compiled into a single jar. And it was a bottle of nard. I have to imagine this is the very, very best that this woman owns. This bottle of perfume was from the nard plant, which is a native to India. It had a very thin neck on the opening. You would break the neck to access 
the, uh, the, the liquid gold inside, if you will. And this woman takes what's most precious to her, the very best of what she owns, and she pours it on Jesus' head, verse 7. And she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. She poured it out. She broke it. She gave it all up. She used it all on Jesus. Now, why did she do that? Well, I, I, we believe it was customary at the time. We don't know. But if there's a very, very honored guest, what's um, obvious from this text is that this was an incredible way of honoring Jesus. It was an incredible way of saying, I respect you this much. We value you this much. We appreciate this much. Uh, and it was, a, it was that sort of gesture. Now, who's this woman? What's interesting is that if you look in the, the Gospel of Matthew, we don't really know who this woman is. But if you look in the Gospel of John... He tells the same story, but he lets you know who it is. This woman is Mary. Now, there's a bunch of Marys in the, in the Gospels. Which Mary? This Mary is Mary, the sister of Martha, and Mary, the sister of Lazarus. You're like, oh, that Mary. Now, in, in Luke, it, it, it shares another story with Mary and Martha, right? Martha's busy in the kitchen, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he's listening to every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth. She's She's, um, she's fixed upon his teaching, sitting at his feet, just learning all day long. Now, you've got to know that a, a big part of Jesus' teaching is who he is. And so I imagine that Mary was seeing Jesus for who he really was. She was getting it. And also part of that teaching was what Jesus was going to do. He was going to be whipped. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be broken on a cross. I believe Mary understood that God was giving to the world and to her his most priceless treasure. I think she gets it. Now, added on to that, her brother Lazarus died. And so that must have been the lowest point of her life. Jesus comes four days later, and he raises her brother from the dead. How much love, how much gratitude do you think Mary was feeling towards Jesus? But it still begs the question, why did Mary do this? What inspired her to do this? And what I want to do is try to illustrate it in a way that will really make sense to you. So what I need is two volunteers, okay? Now I need a first volunteer to stand up and to, out of the goodness of your heart, I want you to actually give me a dollar bill. Can I have someone generous enough to do that? A big spender? Natalie, would you, would you stand up? Okay, now I want you to give it to me from the bottom of your heart. Just say what you would say if you're giving me a dollar bill. Here's a dollar. That's right from the heart. Now, now Natalie is giving me a dollar bill, and if I was from Hong Kong, I'll receive it with two hands. I would say, thank you so much. And I go, Natalie, that was really, really cool of you. And I would look at all the things that I got just to say thank you, right? Now, what I got here is I pull out my bag. I was munching on these a little bit. I'm just going to say, hey, Natalie, thanks for that. Oh, by the way, would you like a peanut? She said, sure. So here, actually, I'll give you two, two peanuts here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for the dollars. Really, really kind of you, okay? So there you go, right? That was, that was very appropriate, right? Very appropriate. Now, second volunteer, I want someone to stand up and offer me something extravagant. Really, like over-the-top extravagant. I was just kidding. I didn't think no one was going to do that. Uh, Daniel Sue, our bassist, can you stand up? I had you in my notes, I, and there you are. Okay, now, do you guys know that actually Daniel's going to get married uh, October, November? 
I, I should know that because I'm, I'm actually officiating this wedding. So I, I got to check and make sure. No, 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 we're good. Now let's just pretend. Okay, really try to pretend. Daniel gets up here, maybe after church. He comes up to me and says, Pastor Andrew, I really, really appreciate you. And I want to see our pastors of our church taken care of and provided for. So this is what I want to do. I want to give you my brand new car. My brand old car? Okay. Well, just play with me here, right? And I've been saving up in this 401k, and I want to give that all to you. And when Claire and I get married, we have our first child. I want to give you our first child. Okay? All three of those in combination, right? Let's say you do that, right? Now, now, now what would I do in response? I'd be like, really? I'd be like, wow, thank you so much, right? I'm not going to just shake your hand. I'm going I'm to hug you, and I want to give you something to say thank you, right? Now, I just so happened to have in my pocket this watch that was given to me on my wedding day from my in-laws. I think it's worth like a grand or something like that. It's one of those things you don't have to put a battery. It just, it just winds up by motion, right? I would say, oh, wow, here, here, take this. It's nothing compared to what you've given me, but it's an offer of gratitude. It's the least I can give you. My very best, my very best. Thank you, Dan. You, you did fantastic. I'll pick up this stuff later. <laughs> do, you, do you understand where Mary's coming from? Now, now, listen. I think we look at Mary's act, and she's like pouring her very best, what's precious, what's something of great value to her. And we kind of go, well, that's pretty extreme. Wow, that's inspiring. A little bit over the top, to each his own. No. Mary is doing what's natural and appropriate. She, 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 she gets it. She, she steps back. She looks at the bigger picture. God is giving to her, to us, his priceless treasure in his son. He's giving to us everything. And she's like, well, what do I got? I got this, I got this jar. It's worth 30 grand. It's nothing compared to what God's given me. But here, take it. Take it, take it. I'm so grateful. Now, can it be that there are people in our church right now and you're giving Jesus peanuts? You're giving Jesus, we're giving Jesus peanuts. Like in our worship on Sunday morning, well, actually today was awesome, but, but in our worship on, on Sunday morning, can it be that our worship is like peanuts? And maybe it's because we don't understand what God's done for us. Like, if you, you see Jesus for who he is, and you understand that God gave us his priceless treasure, then you're like, oh, man, I'm going to worship. <laughs> I'm going to worship. What about your time, you know? Do you give God the best of your time or, like, the worst of your time? If we're giving God peanuts in our time, maybe it's because we don't understand what God has given us in his son. He's given us everything. And if you see that, you're like, okay, I'm going to give you the best of my time. It's nothing compared to what you've given me. But it's the very least that I can do. It's appropriate. It's appropriate. And Mary here is doing what is appropriate. Now, what I'd like us to do right now is to, if you look in your bulletin, can you, can you look in your bulletin and pull out that outline? In the center of that outline, actually, I haven't taken a look at that for a while. Can I get a copy of that? In the center of your outline, there's a box. Thank you. And this box says, draw what you consider to be priceless. 
Now, again, this is intergenerational. We want to do some new things today that we don't normally do. And what I'm asking you guys to do is actually draw. Now, notice I could just say, can you write it down? But writing it down would not have been as fun or as stretching for you as drawing. Some of you are bad artists. Great. I want to see that drawing. Now, what I'd like you to do is draw what you would consider priceless. What's of great value to you? What's of great value to you? Now, I want to give you some examples because some of you are like, can you give me some examples? Uh, Here's one. Uh, What about personal enjoyment time? Now, I know that if you are a parent with young kids, what's a premium to you is your personal enjoyment time. Maybe those precious moments when after you put the kids to bed, maybe you have a couple hours and that's your time to relax and do something that's really enjoy, enjoying for you. So, so maybe that's what is of great value. Maybe that's your priceless treasure. Maybe for some of you, it's some possession that you have. You know, for Mary, it was this bottle of nard. Maybe for you, it's your house or your car or your iPad or your iPhone. Uh, junior hires, you, you, you play this mobile video game. It's called a what now? Is it a PSP? Oh, we don't know. I, I, I see you have it all the time. What is it called? Okay, no one knows, and they're not telling. Okay, but, but it's that little, that's little Game Boy. I know it's not called a Game Boy, but maybe it's shoes or something. Here's a third thing. I was thinking about this last night with my wife. What's of great value to some of us is our reputation. What people think about us. And it's not just the accomplishment, but it's what people think about our accomplishment. And it kind of differs according to your life stage, you know, like like when you're uh, a student, it's getting good grades and having people look at you as someone who's well accomplished. When you're older, it's it's like career chasing and and being that person of success and being, you know, people uh, approve of you. And it's about how they see you. Maybe that's maybe that's your priceless treasure. And then for a lot of us, I'm sure you can put kids down. My children are my priceless treasure. And, and maybe specifically it's like kids' activities, and they always take priority on the schedule. I don't know. But what I want you guys to do right now is to, to break out, you know, the, the right side of your brain, and I want you to draw what's priceless to you. I'm going to give you like 90 seconds, okay? And then I'm going to ask you to share it next to someone next to you. But, but go ahead and draw. What is your priceless treasure? And I'm for real. I'm timing you. If you need a pencil or a pen, you can grab a pencil uh, in, in, the, in that little back of the pew in front of you.
20 seconds. Now, we would like every Christian church to develop around the community, but we know each other at a different level. So I, I hope that even if though it might be a little bit weird, that you would go ahead and take the risk of self-disclosure. And could you pair up the two and just, just show your drawing, if you would, and just explain why that is of value to you. I'm going to give you a little time to do that in groups of two. Some of you want to do a group of three, that's okay. But you want to do that now. Now, if, if one person is doing most of the talking, maybe we can get the other person to start sharing, and that'd be great, too. Okay, uh, natural lull in the conversation. I think most of you guys are done. Uh, what I would like to do at the very last part of this message is talk about what it looks like to give that priceless treasure to Jesus. But before I do that, why don't I just cover the rest of the text because I actually want to teach from the scriptures and then we'll get back to that, that really important topic. Verse 8. When the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? This could have been sold for a large sum of money and given to the poor. Uh, the disciples are thinking very uh, pragmatically. $30,000 equal to you know, 20 life-changing surgeries with Dr. Lau and 40 iPads for the poor, you know. So we're, 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 we're using all that to accomplish really uh, nothing at all, right? Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. I, I think Jesus' response is very moving. It's, it's like he's the lone voice that rises up to defend this woman. Now, what are you doing? Don't you understand that what she did was just beautiful? Can I just point this out? If you give what is of great value to Jesus, it will never be wasted. It will never be wasted. Jesus will look at that act of sacrifice out of gratitude, and he will call it beautiful. Now, I'm I'm borrowing from the Apostle Paul, but he called acts like these a fragrant offering. Now, I think this is really, really fitting. Because you imagine this woman breaking that nard, pouring the ointment all over Jesus' head, and the whole room just smelled so good. Now, what we've done in the middle of, 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 our, of our stage is we've, we've lit three candles, and I asked On if he would buy these and, and make sure that they're scented candles. Now, can I have you guys all just take a very deep breath inside? Okay? Can you smell the candles? Because I can't either. On. 
No, not that cheap. Come on. Could have put a few. Here's a dollar. I'll give you a dollar. Put, put some money into the candles. Now, okay, now listen. What was supposed to have happened, they would be like this deep, wonderful, pungent odor, right? And I can make an illustration from it, but, but that's completely failed. But, but, but here's the point. Here's the point. Let's imagine that you're smelling a very sweet odor. And today, there will be people for the first time saying, this is of great value to me. I'm giving it to Jesus. Now, when people do that, you have to understand that God, that's a fragrant offering. It's like God from heaven smells it and says, that smells really good. And that's what we're going to be doing today, giving God a fragrant offering. Verse 12, and pouring this ointment on my body, she's done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. I, there's one last thing I want to point out before moving on, um, and, and that's this. When you give your priceless treasure to Jesus, don't expect people around you to applaud you. <laughs> uh, you know? I mean, that's, that's at least one of the things you can get from this text. Don't expect people to go, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're giving all this money for missionary work. Or you're giving all this money to the church. Don't expect that. Uh, don't expect people to applaud you. Whoa, you spend, you spend an hour in prayer? Ooh, don't expect that. People won't do that. Actually, some people might look at that hour spent in prayer and go, I, I, I think you're kind of wasting your time. What, what good does that do? And notice that it's Jesus, the lone voice, who would say, no, no, no. What's given out of sacrifice, out of love for me, never wasted. The world might say, that's a waste. I call it, Jesus calls it, that's beautiful. That's beautiful to me, and it smells great. Okay, now, uh, let's go back to this box, and I, I want to kind of help us unpack what it looks like to give your priceless treasure to Jesus. What does it look like to give what is of great value to you and to give it to Jesus? Okay, I want to give two examples. Two examples. I, it'd be nice if I could give four. I'm just going to give two, and then we're going to call this a message today. And then I'm going to invite you, actually, to take that box, to fold it up, and if you're willing to give it to Jesus, then when you take communion, then you're just going to put it in that jar right there. But you can fold it up. You know, if you want, you want it to be kind of confidential, you can fold it up and put it in that jar. And I bet you God will, will look at that sacrifice that you're giving him and say, that smells great. That smells fantastic to me. Okay. So a couple different examples. I, I think uh, some of us might have actually put our house. Some of us might have put our house. Now, what does it mean when I say, you know, what's a priceless treasure to me is my, my place of comfort, my home. What does it look like for me to give this to Jesus? And you're automatically thinking, oh, no, it means God wants me to sell my house, you know. Well, maybe, maybe. Or you can say, this house is going to be used for the purposes of Jesus Christ. It's all for him. Now, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we, the staff, we went to City Team SF. And we met the director there. We had a great conversation. And he was talking about a local branch in San Jose. They have a local, they have a branch, a City Team branch in San Jose. And there was one time where there was like 15 women from their program that were ready to get baptized. So they were looking for a pool that they could baptize them in. So they do a round of phone calls, people that they know in Atherton with a pool. And they call the first people and they say, listen, we would like to baptize people at your pool. They're like, oh, that's cool. 
But also understand, these are 15 women. Uh, they are ex-convicts and former drug addicts. So it's going to be, you know, not your normal fare when people get baptized. Is that okay? And the people kind of, I don't know, they kind of politely bowed out, you know, like, oh, well, oh, well uh, uh, we'll pray about it, get back to you. They kind of said no. So the people at City Team did another round of phone calls. They called another uh, couple in Atherton with a brand new pool. They said, hey, uh, we, can we use your pool for baptisms? They said, absolutely. And they say, well, 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 hold it now. Now, these 15 women are, they're ex-convicts, they're former drug addicts, so it's not going to be your normal fare. Even better. Oh, that's great. Absolutely. And they're like, whoa, why are you so excited? When we built this pool, we had this dream of using it for the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better way to use this pool than to baptize these women. That, that's an example of what it looks like to say, this is my priceless treasure, Jesus. It's nothing compared to what you gave me with your life. But here, it's all for you. It's all for you. I'll, I'll give you another example. Some of you, and I know this because I drew it on mine. Uh, I drew my children. I actually drew something in this that I don't, won't show you, but, but I will show you. I drew my children. That's my, that's my priceless treasure. Now, what does it look like to actually give your priceless treasure to Jesus? Does it look like in Old Testament times when, like, neighboring countries would sacrifice their kids to Molech? You know, no, 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 I don't think so. No, right? What does it look like to give your most priceless treasure uh, to, to, to Jesus? And, and I'll give you a, 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 one example of what this looks like. You guys remember Mark and, and Jen Bellow? Now, Mark and Jen Bello used to be in our community, and then they were called, they went to L.A., and then they were called to go to Japan to be missionaries. And so I actually had them up here, and I interviewed, I interviewed uh, both Mark and Jen. And I remember what Jen said, because I was pretty alarmed. Like, I was told that if you're going to do missionary work, you've got to either do it when you don't have kids or when the kids have all grown up and left. But their kids were like preteen. So I'm talking to them like, 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 how did you make this decision? And, and it was Jen who said, you know, we have a deep conviction that God has no grandchildren. You guys remember that? It was a great line. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. So these are not just my kids. These are his kids. He takes care of me. He also takes care of them directly. God has no grandchildren, just kids. And so we're like, but what about education, you know? Like, shouldn't you put them in the same school and you're going to, you know, uproot them and take them to Japan? This is what they said. They said, you know, we definitely want to give our kids the best education we can, the best spiritual education we can. So we can't think of a better way of discipling our kids than to model to them what it looks like to hear from God and to radically obey. Yes, we're giving them education, and that's why we're going to Japan. I'm like, wow. That is pretty cool. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you got to go to Japan and be a missionary. But what does it look like to proactively invest in your kids and raise them up in the Lord? Or, or you know, I don't know, kids' activities. What does it look like to talk to your kids about those activities and say, you know, we want to live a God-centered life. So what should we put on the calendar? 
Now, whatever you wrote in that box, I want you to do what Mary did. Take a step back and look at the very, very big picture. God gave us his very own life in his son. And we're just left like, I cannot believe that he would do that. How in the world was this worth it to him? But we're grateful. And so we say, well, if you gave your priceless treasure and your very best, then God, the very least I can do is give you my priceless treasure. And so when we take communion, there's going to be that jar right in from the candles. That's your opportunity if you want to, actually. You can fold that paper and you can give it to God and say, I'm going to give this to you as my gift to thank you for your great sacrifice to me. You can just go ahead and put that in the jar. Now, maybe this is something you've already given to God before, and it's a way of renewing that promise, that very intentional sacrifice of saying, I've given this to you. Or maybe today people will put in new things that they've never given to God before. Now, would you please stand up, and I'm going to pray for you all. And I ask the worship team to come up. Let's pray. Lord, we find ourselves in the shadow of the cross. We find ourselves looking at the tremendous sacrifice that Jesus made. And the question is, how in the world can we respond? What what do we do? I pray that you would help us with this grateful heart to say, if you've given us your very best, then I will not hold back in giving you my very best for your glory.